The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. But first, the Palestinian Health Ministry has reported that the death toll in Gaza has reached 5,000. Of those, 2,000 are children. Now, the news comes alongside reports that Hamas have released two hostages. We're joined now by Paul Rogers, Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Pat. Now, the the release of two hostages, um, there are two elderly women and they are being released on compassionate grounds, we are told. But what does it mean? Well, obviously, it's a, it's a good step forward. Um, I think the incidents that many people have seen on television of uh, one of the hostages, the former hostages, turning and, and sort of more or less saying goodbye to her captor and saying shalom is remarkable. The woman concerned was a long-standing uh, activist for peace, uh, and it seems to be that may just be a reminder uh, that, you know, there are other ways forward. Uh, but it probably delays a little bit the Israeli ground assault on Gaza. But in fact, the Israeli defense forces are so concerned with uh, trying to flatten all those parts of the city that are subject to any kind of Hamas influence uh, seems to be taking precedence anyway. And I think one assumes that you're just getting, go, going to get the Israeli defense forces, the IDF, going in with all guns blazing into a major ground incursion may not be what they're planning. Uh, so it may be that the release of the hostages, particularly if there are more to come, will delay things. Uh, but the IDF, with Netanyahu in a very difficult position, are determined to go the whole hog this time, uh, which has very big questions and raises the question of whether any kind of even a temporary humanitarian ceasefire is even possible. So that is, I think, is where we are. The hostage release, in other words, uh, involves at least a short-term pause. Last evening, uh, the estimate was given of 222 hostages. Two now have been released. That's 220. If you were to release... Two a week, you could keep going for 100 weeks. So, I mean, the the, uh, Hamas people can maybe play this game judiciously, uh, releasing the odd American. There are six British hostages, for example. Um, Just as long as the dribble of hostages continues, uh, are they presuming that Israel will stay its hand? They may be. The other thing is that there's a small number of hostages, I think it's between 12 and 15, who are from, uh, well, Nepal, and I believe Thailand and elsewhere. Uh, and these are people who are actually working um, in the area that the uh, basically Hamas took over. And so these are, have no direct connection at all with Israel. They were basically guest workers or call them what you will. I think it's possible that a group of them may be released pretty soon because obviously that will have quite a major effect across quite a lot of the global south. Uh, and I think that may well be a next step. But we will see there are skilled hostages negotiations in negotiators particularly operating out of Qatar uh, and there may be some progress there. Um, the only cards that Hamas holds I suppose at the moment are those hostages and uh, hoping for world opinion to swing compassion uh, the way of their civilian population. Um, I th- Yes, go on, please. Um, Sorry, I think that is probably true. But remember, Hamas is in this 
for the long term. Uh, you know, of the somewhere between two and three thousand uh, Hamas paramilitaries who went into Israel on the seventh of October, something like a thousand were killed there. So probably all of those young men in Hamas, the paramilitaries, went into Israel expecting to die. Now, when you factor that in, you realise there's a very long-term vision on the part of the military wing of Hamas, maybe not so much on the political wing. And they're playing it in the sense that whatever happens, however much force the Israelis use in the longer term, it's going to create tens of thousands of more <clears throat> very un young, uh, very angry young Palestinians who will be up for further uh, paramilitary action in the coming decades. We're looking long term on this. And I think Israel sees the need to sort of try and, try and stop it now. I don't think there's any chance of them doing that, uh, which is why it's another reason why to some extent sense has to prevail and we have to move to a ceasefire as soon as possible. Mm. Uh, the, the question of a ceasefire on what basis uh, already if there are 5,000 uh, Palestinians dead within the Gaza Strip and then add in those paramilitary whose bodies lie uh, somewhere in Israel. Um, at what point does Israel say, well, we have exacted our, our revenge? Well, the attitude of the current Israeli government is significant here. I mean, October the 7th was a tremendous shock to people right across Israel. And what was previously a pretty unpopular government has been able to get virtually everybody behind them. The IDF also made some huge mistakes in letting this happen from their perspective. And they feel there's a need to show what they can do. And that's a very difficult combination, a very hawkish government with a determined military, um, essentially desperate to come out of this with some sort of measure of success. Um, this is why I think it's going to be very difficult to persuade them uh, to actually go for a ceasefire in the short term. Mm -hmm. I think basically what the government would want to see, or certainly the most hawkish elements would want to see, would be an end to the Gaza problem. Um, possibly getting as many Palestinians to leave Gaza in due course, although the Egyptians will be against that, but otherwise have Gaza really parceled off as a much smaller area with a much bigger buffer area around it using existing Gaza land and therefore turn it into something which, from an Israeli perspective, is A, safe, and B, the responsibility of the international community. That's pretty clear. I mean, that is what's been coming out of the Israeli government uh, over the last three or four days. So that is what they would want to see happen. It's an incredibly densely populated area. Um, it so is. To, to constrict it even more um, would make it perhaps unlivable. Well, it, I mean, many people would argue that it's something like an open prison now. I've not been to Gaza in, in recent years, but certainly I've been there in the past, sort of even 30 years ago. Uh, it was a very tight area. I mean, you, Beach Camp, uh, Jabalir and the others were very, very sort of concentrated. So, yes, it would be very, very difficult. And, you know, it wouldn't be an answer in the long term. Uh, long term has to be the building of peaceful relations between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Uh, but that is a generational problem. We've made no progress on that, certainly in the last two or three generations. In the context then of, of the wider world, uh, the, both the Middle East and uh, beyond, I mean, this war is obviously going to impact on the Ukraine conflict. Um, we've already seen Israeli uh, planes bomb airports in Syria. Uh, the uh, Iranians seem to have uh, itchy trigger fingers. Um, where will this go? Again, it's incredibly difficult to predict. It's not clear that Hezbollah, which is a very strong paramilitary 
group in southern Lebanon will want to get involved in any major conflict with the Israelis. They will want to uh, cause the Israelis problems around the border, but not to go for a full-scale war. And I don't think Iran would, even Iran would want that at the present time. But on the wider issue, well, the first thing you have to say, and you must be blunt about it, is the Ukraine and now Gaza are very good for one particular group, and that is the world's arms manufacturers. It's an absolute gift of a time at present. You know, the the um, stock market figures for the major arms companies right across the world, this is not just West, uh, are actually sky high. And so for them, at least, it is basically, you know, Shakespeare now thrive the armourers, and that is certainly happening. There's a lot of um, worry, I think, behind the scenes. I mean, Western governments are very supportive of Israel in public. In private, I think there's a real fear that this is going to in some way get out of control. Um, but beyond that, of course, we have major problems in other parts of the world, whether it's Myanmar or the whole of the Sahel region in Saharan Africa, where you have a huge problem of the rise of groups linked to al-Qaeda and ISIS. Uh, so it's a multiple issue. And then if you really want to face up to the near future, over all of that, of course, is climate breakdown. And so this is going to be a time for very wise leadership. Uh, but I think people do recognize that the way we're going overall is not working and is going to have to change. Uh, so I think the next five years are going to be incredibly important politically uh, and not easy to navigate with sense and wisdom, I'm afraid. Paul Rogers, author and emeritus professor of peace studies at Bradford University. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.